Welcome, 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 everybody, to another weekly roundup with Reiki. We are approaching 50 episodes so fast. This is episode 46. I can't tell you when I started, I didn't know how long I was going to continue doing this, but my only motivation was, and my only motivation today is making sure my Leon family members are on top of their game. They know what's going on in the market. They know how the big people are thinking. You know how the smart money works, and that's why I'm here for. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for joining us. We are going to get the show on the road. And first of all, we are going to start with our Metaleon updates. Uh, so not a whole lot on the uh, milestone side of things. The reason being the last piece of thing that we need, which is the SRO license, it is one hell of a beast. Uh, Alex and Antonio have been working heads down trying to get all the documents together. And the thing that's taking the longest is a detailed business plan. You would be surprised that we have had a roadmap since day one. And having a detailed roadmap, um, I know Alex told me and Tony told me like that seemed like a cakewalk in front of what they're having to do now. And that should solidify your belief in what we're building. Because if they're putting in so much more work to put a business plan together, you know that this is something beautiful, legitimate on the business side of thing, on the web two side of things. We've always said, if there's no revenue behind your NFT, you are the revenue. So putting a business plan together that the Swiss government, which is one of the most stable and thriving economies in the West and actually in the world, um, to get that license, uh, you need a wonderful business plan that makes total sense that can generate revenue. So they're putting they're putting their heart out on this thing uh so once that's put together they will be sending it off to the government and then they'll review it and once we have that license we will be able to completely function in function independently and be able to custody funds for our customers who will be raising funds using our tcfx platform so it's it's a whole circle it doesn't stop us we can still continue forward and that's what brings me to the next update Kind of Blue, the first company that we're working on getting a deal with for TCFX, who's potentially going to be our first client, uh, to collaborate with them. They seem to be back from their holidays in Switzerland. August is the month where everybody takes off and takes their vacations. So they're slowly coming back to the office. And uh, the goal is going to be to finalize the contract in the next few weeks. Once that's done, work's going to move forward. Uh, we're going to give you more details on how that's going to work. Um, that's what we're telling you guys. We don't we don't wait. We're not waiting for that license to move forward with our contracts. Like contracts are flowing in. Once KOB goes through, the word's going to spread like wildfire and we're only going to get better. So, um next up, um I did want to talk to you guys about what me and Antonio kind of talked about a couple weeks ago. It's related to the ecosystem. I do not want to give away too much because I want to make an official announcement and we'll potentially do an official announcement in Discord uh, here shortly in the next week or so. And we want to tell you what we've been up to. And that is another thing in line of us wanting to work in parallel to make sure we can get to you the roadmap how we promised. Um, we know how phase two went. We know that we weren't able to raise as much as we needed, but you know us, you know who we are. We're Leons. We adapt to the changes. So 
we're trying to find a win-win situation where we can continue to move forward given the lim limited treasury that we continue to have having minted phase one in the bear market phase two in the bear market most projects just fold but we continue to move forward and that's what i love about this project and the people in it starting all the way at the top down to the community it's all it's all transparent so i will have a detailed announcement out for you guys once uh, we finalize everything uh, super excited to get that information to you guys because you will see how hard we work on the back end always thinking always making moves always thinking about the leon family like how can we deliver more value to you guys how do we continue to get you to where you need to be to be successful so um, yeah, look out for uh, a Discord announcement in the next week. Super excited about that. Next up, the last thing we have is Alan Antonio cannot apologize enough. They were in the server. I mean, Antonio was. Alex has just been swamped like hell. Um, they have been swamped with the holiday season. So their hotel, if you remember, their family has a hotel. And they have been trying to help out at the hotel because they can't find a replacement for the main guy. And every everybody that they've tried out, I think they tried like four different people. They haven't worked out. They haven't been a good match. So Antonio and Alex have been helping out at the family hotel with the with the rush that they get during the holiday season. And hopefully mid September or like early September, they said that it's going to slow down and they'll have more time uh, to dedicate to the Leon family in terms of being in the server. And you know, when they're not working at the hotel, they're taking time to do these conversations and moving forward with TCFX. So TCFX has been the main goal and it's always gonna be the main goal because everything feeds into, everything that we feed into MetaLeon Society comes from TCFX. So having the focus on TCFX is essential. So something had to give. So they had to give up on being in the server and it's been they've been very support appreciative of the Leon family for understanding that no matter what they're doing, they're always doing things for family. So be it their IRL family, be it their Web3 family, which is the Meta Leon Society. So hope to see them soon. Uh, have a little more time to hang out in coffee break. I know Antonio was hanging out in the coffee break a couple of days ago. Um, I did get a chance to catch him for a little bit, but yeah, look out in Discord. You'll see them whenever they have a second when they're not working which is when they're lying in bed trying to go to bed, you will see them come in. So that's the kind of dedication our founders have. And that's why I like to work with these guys because we all know these are young folks, but when you talk to them, when you listen to them, the, you can see the motivation and value system that these guys have. So I am a person that bets on people. I don't make bets on projects. So I bet on these people and, and they keep delivering day in and day out. So hopefully, uh, that's the message they wanted me to give you, that they will do their best. Once the holiday season slows down in Switzerland, the tourists are out. They can find more time uh, to be in the Discord with the Leon family and potentially maybe have a town hall. You know, We're sitting at uh, a place where um, the operations are almost ready to go. The SRO license is the only thing holding us back from full operation, but we're still moving forward. Uh, like we said with the deal with KOB, we'll be a tech provider. Um, so it's not holding us back completely, but also the most important thing being um, we need to start having discussions around the ecosystem. Like how do we move forward with that aspect of our roadmap? So we need to keep you guys engaged. We need to help you um, see 
that things are moving on both sides of things, TCFX and Metal Leon Society. So um, that's the beauty of the game. Parallel processing, you know, graphics card do it. Humans can do it too. We do it all the time in Metal Leon Society. We're always working on 10 things at the same time and they're all moving forward. That's what it takes to be successful. And I uh, want to give a, a shout out since uh, he just joined, Heath. Uh, love that thread that you put together on Twitter. If you are not following Heath uh, on Twitter, make sure to do that right now. He puts out incredible, incredible threads. So I love reading his threads and uh, did one for uh, his Leon family. And it's so amazing. Everybody that's not in the space, if they get to read that, they'll know what we're trying to do, the vision, what we're what we're here for. So we could care less about the floor price. I mean, I can't speak for everybody else. I personally don't care. I got my Leon bag, and it's going to be there for life. I keep accumulating more. Why? Because I know what we're building, and I'm directly involved in it. So, um, yeah, with that, I want to move over to our market updates because there's so much going on. Um, so the first section is the regulatory wins that we have and the shit show that the SEC has been having in the courts. Anybody and everybody that's been listening to me for the past, whatever, half a year, I do not like the SEC. And I realized that when Elon Musk said that on camera and he said he does not respect the SEC, that sentence did not make sense to me. But after watching what they've been doing with the crypto market, I can tell you that I do not respect the SEC. And uh, the, there's a lot that has happened, which has been positive, and I've really enjoyed it for the past couple of weeks. We're going to start our day with moving over to Asia, where in China, uh, public court uh, has declared virtual assets as legal property protected by law. And that, my friends, is huge. And the reason I say that it's huge, because if you remember... China had banned Bitcoin mining and everything else in like about two years ago. And it pushed everything offshore. And now that we see that the court has ruled that it's virtual assets or legal properties, they can now start, these startups can now actually start servicing actual crypto businesses in China. You already know Hong Kong has been, has dove head deep into Web3. They have businesses out there. They have exchanges out there. They're attracting everybody, just like Dubai has been. And now China's doing it. So mainland China getting involved in crypto, that's incredible news. Next up, we're going to go to come back to the US, and we're going to talk about the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit. So the last update that I gave you guys was the judge gave a 50-50, well, not really 50-50, but I would say that Ripple won most of it, and SEC got like a consult, uh, like a participation trophy as a result. So SEC um, filed a request with the court to file a um, appeal because they apparently don't like the decision the judge put forward, and to provide their response, Ripple had has filed a motion asking the judge to ignore their request of appeal by the SEC. The reason is very simple. When you do this kind of an appeal, I'm not going to go too much into the legal stuff, but clearly 
in order to appeal, you need to have a reason a little more than, hey, judge, I did not like your decision, so I'm going to appeal. You need to prove that the judge made a logical error in understanding the law. The judge clearly did not make an error in understanding the law because the securities laws dictate that you need to look at every transaction individually. While the SEC claimed for the longest period of time that the XRP token itself was a security and they got their asses handed to them when the judge said that how can the asset itself be a security? It's like you're saying, if I sell an orange in the market, I'm selling a security. So I need to register that orange with the SEC. That's dumb. That's stupid. If people collect shoes, like if people collect sneakers and sell it to other people for a profit, you're saying sneakers are a security. If Taylor Swift sells her tickets, you buy her ticket and then sell it to someone else for a profit, you're saying that that ticket is a security that needs to be registered with the SEC. So their whole logic fell apart. And Ripple is just saying, hey, judge, you don't have to acknowledge them if they cannot prove that you made an error in judgment with solid proof and they can cite a source or a case in the past where the decision that the judge made looks very different than the decision in the past. And there's no case precedent. That means there's no case in the past that is like this Ripple versus SEC case. So the SEC doesn't really have a case. So that makes me happy. That's one slap on the face for the SEC. The second slap came this week. SEC lost to Grayscale. Grayscale, the company that is trying to get a Bitcoin ETF, a spot ETF, I've already explained what a spot and a future ETF is. A spot ETF is what we need in the market. We don't have that in the US. Europe has one. And I, I think another country has one. Um, yeah, Europe and Australia have a spot ETF. Um, US just dragging its feet all over again because SEC wants to protect the incumbents, the big banks, and they're not ready to do that yet. So um, Grayscale was denied a Bitcoin ETF, a spot ETF. And Grayscale said that the reason that SEC gave them for denying their uh, spot ETF application was not fair. So they sued the SEC. And that's what I love about the US um, legal system. If you think a government agency is out of line, you can sue them and let the court decide. That's what Grayscale did. They sued SEC and they told the judge that, hey judge, I don't think that we don't think that the SEC is being fair. So we need you to tell us that why do they think they can approve a future ETF, but they won't approve a spot ETF? Well, the judge ruled that the SEC, and here's the funny part. All the SEC had to do to prove themselves was give them a logical reason as to why they're denying the spot ETF, which would have been simple because if they're denying the request, they have a good enough reason, right? They could not. The judge said the SEC does not have a coherent reason. And they're ba the, the judge basically said the SEC lacks common sense. And that's the, mo that's the beauty of the legal system. The judges can literally slap any government agency across the face if they overstep their boundaries in reach of power. We all know what Gary Gensler is trying to do. He's trying to overstep. He's trying to take over an industry that lacks regulatory clarity. He tells everybody that there is clarity. We don't need any clarity. The judge in the, this SEC and Grayscale lawsuit said clearly that the, there's not enough information out there 
to make a judgment that whether anything is a security or a commodity. So we're seeing this pattern of SEC losing case after case after case, and it's not looking good for Gary Gensler. Because guess what? Election season's coming up in 2024, and nobody wants a loser on their team that makes them look bad and becomes a baggage. So clearly, Gary Gensler is supposed to testify in front of Congress in in September. Like he's going to show up to two different committees. So I think he's going to grill get grilled super hard on this whole like regulating by enforcement. He drags people into court, forces them to to settle with him because they don't have the resources like SEC to fight them. And he calls that a victory. It's just like a mob mentality, shaking people down for money. So SEC lost against the um, Grayscale ETF. You'd ask me like, Ricky, so why not? Why didn't SEC approve the Bitcoin ETF then? Well, the case wasn't that the Bitcoin ETF needed to be approved or not. It was to say that was the SEC right in denying it for the reasons it said it denied it? The judge said that now the SEC has to go back, reconsider the application, and the SEC cannot give a reason that they've already given. They have to find a new reason if they want to reject. So guess what they did? The SEC has delayed decisions on every ETF for Bitcoin until 2024. So that's Gary Gensler for you guys. He's got to have it his way or the highway. So that's it. But good news is, Another loss for the SEC. He kept claiming for hours and hours how the SEC has not been defeated in crypto yet. And here comes all the losses. We haven't even talked about the Coinbase lawsuit, which I also think I'm already predicting that the SEC is going to lose. Um, so the next one is a big one. This, this guys, is a huge, huge, huge thing. And I don't, I don't like how mainstream media is not covering this one at all. The U.S. District Court of New York. So a class action suit was filed against five firms, which included Uniswap Labs, the, the DeFi app. This class action suit. So basically a class action suit, if you don't know, is a bunch of people coming together, suing a company, seeking rep, uh, not reppers, but seeking, uh, I don't know, some sort of like money back if they were done wrong or something like that. So there's a bunch of people, there's a bunch of Australians in there too. Uh, there's some US citizens in there. They basically are saying that they got scammed with some scam tokens, which were issued on Uniswap. So Uniswap needs to pay them. Uh, so the judge has thrown out, and by the way, this is the same judge who was, being, uh, who was uh, involved in the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. So the judge has thrown out this lawsuit stating two things. One, Ethereum is a commodity, not a security. And that is huge because Gary Gensler would not open his mouth on Ethereum. He wouldn't say if it's, it's a security or a commodity. Even when the council members, the Congress asked him, he didn't say anything. So here's the judge saying that Ethereum is a commodity. And then second, you cannot hold a developer accountable for how the code is used. And I love that. Because if you imagine, if the rules of the internet were, if you created a website, let's say you create a website called Google, 
and someone goes on Google and searches how to make a bomb, can you hold Google accountable that you're promoting terrorism? That's the kind of logic this class action lawsuit was using. Technology providers, software engineers, they cannot be held accountable for writing code. Writing code is freedom of speech. It doesn't matter if it's used for financial purposes, if it's used for art, if it's used for anything else. Code is code. Code is freedom of speech. So the judge has upheld the freedom of speech for developers. And this is good for the ecosystem. Now you ask me why the reason being the innovation can continue to move forward in the United States. US was number one. It led the internet era. It is lagging a little bit in the web three era, the next generation of the internet apps, but it is finding its way. The court system knows its stuff. I'm going to give you that. The court system knows its stuff. They know the government agencies, overstep their boundaries all the time and they know how to hold them accountable. So this class action lawsuit getting thrown out, it is great precedent because now if someone else tries to do this to some other decentralized application, guess what? They can refer to this decision and say, Hey, you cannot hold the developer accountable for what happens on the platform. Okay. So next up, we need to talk about CBDCs. It's been a long, long time. So central bank digital currencies. This one's again, interesting because we have to go to India for this one. Uh, the digital rupee is getting a huge usability boost. Yes. Bank, which is amongst the top five, I think it's the top 10 banks in India. And if you don't know, India has this payment system called UPI. It is a very fast, system where you can scan anything with a QR code and make instant payments to anyone, micro payments. I just bought like six bananas yesterday for like 20 cents. And I instantly paid the person like through, through a mobile phone QR code, the money was in their account instantly. It's insane. So the digital rupee is being used. So there's an app, the, there's a yes bank app. So if you have a yes bank app account, you can use the digital rupee to make payments seamlessly. So you can integrate with the UPI system and make payments with the digital rupee. As you know, I'm a little split on the whole use of CBDCs. I am still in the camp that these are created and will be used in the future to control people, to control how they spend their money. If you haven't seen what happened to the truckers in Canada, you don't know what governments are capable of. They can shut you out of your bank account if they want to. It's happened in China. It's happened all over the world. They can take your money. Greece was closed for two weeks until the banks could take out all the money that people had. People could now take out their own money. In Nigeria, governments put a limit of $500 per week on ATM withdrawals. People's own damn money, they couldn't take out. So if you trust that banks are there for you and governments are there for you, you are living in delusion because one thing that governments care about is control. Anything else they do, if they take care of you, that's good. If they don't, don't be surprised. So this use of CBDCs, I can totally see that it, it can help unbanked people in India living in remote areas to get banked and be able to make payments and be able to secure their money. I get it. Having a digital wallet is nice. 
But then there's also the dystopian side of things that I'm worried about, which is if you say something against the government, if you do something that government doesn't like, it could be your own personal opinion. It could be your hard earned money. They could freeze your money and there's nothing you can do about it. So there's good and bad. The only thing is, as this technology evolves all across the world, we need to see who's implementing it for the good, who's implementing for the bad, and make good examples out of this technology and make it repeatable. If there's someone who's using it for good, we need other countries to look at it and make a framework out of it so other countries can mimic it. So interesting stuff. Uh, digital rupee starting to take off, getting in line with China because... I've been sharing news about the digital yuan. They have been integrating that thing into all major cities and all major apps. So just, just know this stuff is going to stay. If you think CBDCs are not going to exist, you're living under a rock or you're totally delusional because they're coming and you need to be informed as to what your options are. And your options are decentralized technology. That's that simple. Your keys, your assets, your wallet. No one touches it. No one can ask you for it. And that's the beauty of this technology. You don't need to trust a third person. You don't need to trust a bank. You don't need to trust a government. You own your own keys. You are your own master. That's, that's, that's the beauty of it. All right. So we're going to talk about Ethereum and exciting stuff that's happening in Ethereum. A lot, of, a lot of hate that Ethereum gets and has been getting for a while and the reason there's been so many, and I'm air coding this, Ethereum killer apps out there, Ethereum killer blockchains, and they fail to they fail to attract TVL close to Ethereum. TVL being total volume locked, and the reason being is Ethereum is moving in the right direction for scaling. Vitalik put out a roadmap about a year ago where he broke out the development of Ethereum and how Ethereum is going to become enterprise ready in about five years. He said five to 10 years, so I'm going to give it about eight. They've been starting to get really good about their roadmaps lately, um, so I'm going to give them benefit of doubt. So let's say about seven, eight years, Ethereum gets to mainstream adoption. It is enterprise level. When I say enterprise level, I'm talking a billion people using uh, Ethereum chain on a daily basis, right? Uh, so something good that I noticed, and I've been around for a while, I know when Ethereum would clog, even if there's like one token launch on it about two to three years ago. Uh, anybody remember CryptoKitties, that game that came out on Ethereum like three years ago or something? So that game, when it came out on Ethereum, is basically a very simple game. You can evolve, you get eggs, and then your eggs hatch little kittens. They're cute. They have different breeds. They have different attributes. You can breed them. You can match two of them, and then they have a baby, and then you can sell that baby, I guess. That's the first generation of NFTs, you can say. Um, so that one little app made Ethereum's gas go up to like, I don't know, 800 guay for like a solid three weeks. And... Here we stand today, there's an app called friends.tech and it's taking off on the latest Ethereum layer two solution called Base. And if you, if you, that name sounds familiar, it is because Coinbase launched this layer two. No, there's no token for this layer two. If someone's selling you a base token, they're probably scamming you. So do not buy that token if they're doing that. Um, 
So this app launched on Coinbase's Layer 2 solution on Ethereum. And Layer 2 solution are just a fancy way of processing transactions off the main chain and then uh, just clubbing a bunch of transactions together and storing it as one transaction on the main chain. So you don't you don't bother the main chain for exec uh, for transactions. You bother them for finality. So like when a block is created and it's put in the blockchain, that's when you touch layer one. So layer twos have been incredible. They've been gaining a lot of traction, Arbitrum, Optimism. They both have billions of dollars in locked value and it's growing in the bear market. That's the beauty of it. So friends.tech has been blowing up like nuts, like thousands and thousands of transactions a second, not a second, but like minute. And this blowing up has had no, like none, no impact on Ethereum main chain. And I am already seeing the beauty of layer two solutions. It's not the final solution, it's just a band-aid for now. And I love that that had no effect on main chain. And that's the beauty of layer twos. And now that with sharding coming in shortly in the next few months and uh, layer two fees going down with the new blob thing that they're working on for upgrades, layer two transactions are going to cost even more, like even less than they already do. If you swap two tokens on layer two, if you swap two tokens on the main chain, it can cost you anywhere between eight to $12, even in the lowest gas fees day. But on layer twos, it could cost you anywhere between 50 cents to a dollar. And with this new upgrade that's coming out, layer two solutions can, a swap can cost you anything between um, five cents to 20 cents. And it's only going to go down over time when sharding is in place and all that stuff. So Ethereum's moving in a very solid direction. So I think Ethereum is going to be enterprise ready. It's going to be ready for the billion users in the next five years. And I'm very excited for it. Keeping up with the Ethereum news, uh, decentralization is a very important aspect of the Ethereum chain. And it cannot be... Um, and decentralization is not one, one problem that can be solved with one golden bullet so one of the things that's happening is if you don't know what liquid staking is so liquid staking is there's all these platforms like lido rocket pool so if you don't have 32 ethereum which is a giant giant amount that's close to about what fifty thousand dollars if you don't have that amount lying around which most of us don't you can still participate in ethereum staking and you can do that by participating in this uh, in these liquid uh, staking. So your tokens do get locked, but then you get a derivative token, which is an Ethereum token, ERC-20, and you can trade it freely on the market while earning yield from uh, staking. So 4%, it's not bad. Um, so all the main Ethereum um, staking services have agreed that none of them are going to go past 22% limit of the validators. So none of them are going to have a valid total validator control more than 22%. And the reason they're saying that is because if one of these services goes past 50%, then they can easily attack the network. And that's not fair. So that's a good thing that all of them are working together 
to agree that they want to promote decentralization. And the uh, one way to do it is coming to a common consensus to limit how much of a market share they're going to have in staking. Uh, to close things out, I have a couple of adoption slash wholesome news pieces. Uh, Polygon keeps surprising me. They already have partnered with Disney. They have partnered with Starbucks. And I'm not talking little partnerships here and there. I'm talking full-fledged products. The Starbucks royalty program, if you have the app on your phone, it's running on Polygon. So people have been selling their royalty programs to each other as NFTs and making money off of it. It's insane how that secondary market has developed. Um, makes me bullish on the Leon uh, TCFX secondary market uh, solution that we're working on for tokenization because there's always going to be demand. Illiquidity is a problem and that's solved by blockchain. And that's what we're working on. So Lufthansa Airlines, if you don't know Lufthansa, it's one of the largest European airlines. Um, they have launched their own NFT royalty rewards program on the Polygon network. So you're going to be able to, when you book your flights, when you board it, you're going to be able to collect NFTs and completing certain collections, you're going to be able to unlock certain features like maybe a lounge maybe discounts on your next ticket, maybe a free flight, maybe free upgrade to business class. Um, so they're moving. They're moving to the blockchain. And you know what? One airline does it. Everybody else has to do it. And where are they going to go? Polygon. I can already tell it. They are ready. I don't know how these people do it, but they find these connections. They get these huge brands onboarded, and then they just get them on Web3. So guess what? Lufthansa Airlines, every Lufthansa Airline customer that's going to download the app is going to be in Web3, and they're not even going to know. So that's another way to drive adoption. Next one is Oprah Winfrey and Dwayne The Rock Johnson put out a video asking people to donate money for the fires that have been going around in Maui. Uh, my deep condolences to family members that lost uh, family there, to their losses, to their property, their life, um, their peace. Um, so they put out a video and then people have been donating money to this cause using crypto. And that's the beauty of it. We saw that happen for Ukraine when they put out their Ethereum address and instantly they had millions of dollars in donations. It's happening here. It's happening. It's mainstream. People know that this is an alternative to an existing financial system that is rigged. They keep printing money for free with no consequences. The only people left with the consequences with this money printing and the greed that goes on in the inner circles and the 1% are we people. We get to bear the consequences of the illogical greedy attitude that the people in power have now that they know that anybody sitting in their pjs in their living room eating doritos can create their own financial system they know that who's in power it's the developers it's the nerd the nerds that they make fun of it's not the people in the suits sitting in congress it's not the people in suits making these big press conferences
sitting in their big bank offices. I love that analogy. Well, not an analogy. I love the life lesson. Credit Suisse, the largest bank in Switzerland that was open for about 300 years, they denied the founder of Cardano. So Charles Hoskinson, you know Cardano is based in, uh, based in Switzerland, right where our company is based. So he went to get a bank account in 2013, and they sent him out. They did not even offer him a seat. They told him that it's too risky and it's not good for their bank's prestige. They were too good for him. And he recently said that he felt bad that Credit Suisse went bankrupt. But then he said arrogance has a price, and the price was paid by the bank. While Cardano is IOK Foundation is worth billions of dollars, Credit Suisse was bought out for pennies. It's insane. So arrogance can only go so far. And the more these people show arrogance, the better it is for us because we're going to continue to build. Um, the more doors that close for us, the better because we're going to create our own ways. We already have. We already we will continue to do that. There's nothing anybody can do to stop us. The internet is free. We are free. And we're going to do whatever we need to make the system work for us. And that's what I love about this industry. Web3 is total freedom. And if we do this right, we're going to literally change lives. And that's, that's all I believe in. And that's why we are here. That's why we keep doing what we do. That's why we show up every day. Well, you guys asked for it, and here he is. So appreciate all of you. Love you all. I wish you all a wonderful rest of your weekend. And I am going to catch you all next week.